Welcome to the Risk Insights Podcast by Zurich Resilient Solutions. Our mission is to discuss a range of commercial insurance engineering topics, technical in nature, that break down the information barriers between our insurance customers, brokers, and Zurich Risk Control and Engineering. I'm your host, Chris Snyder, Head of Customer Distribution and Management for ZRS Canada. With over 22 years of experience in the industry, I'm proud to be a part of a team of over 25 risk control professionals at Zurich Canada. On today's episode, I'll be speaking with Glenn McGilvery, who is a Managing Director at the Institute for Catastrophic Loss Reduction, as well as an adjunct professor at York University in the Emergency and Disaster Management Graduate Program. Today, Glenn and I will be discussing the ICLR, their inception and relationship with the insurance industry, both personal and commercial. We cover quite a bit of ground, including wildfire, flood, and wind exposures, including the ICLR's relationship with the University of Western Ontario and their fantastic testing facilities, such as the Windy Dome. Here's our conversation. Glenn, welcome to our Risk Insight Podcast. It's great to have you here. Thanks for having me. Would you be able to explain to our listeners uh, what the ICLR is, what your mandate is, and sort of how you guys came to be? Sure thing. So uh, later on this year, it's going to be our 25th anniversary. We've been around for a while. Uh, We're an independent not-for-profit research institute. We were actually set up by the Canadian property and casualty insurance industry to look at this issue of, uh, of rising disaster losses that we've at that time saw happening all over the world. Hadn't quite happened in Canada yet, but we knew at some point it was. And so uh, we were formed to kind of get ahead of the curve. And so we do work in the area of uh, disaster risk reduction and climate change adaptation to make Canadians safer against severe weather and earthquakes. So one thing I know about being a part of the ICLR is that you guys uh, do host various webinars um, and bring to light uh, some of that information you just mentioned, particularly on on, uh, flood and wind, um, but also wildfires. Um, are you working predominantly with residential insurers or commercial insurers or both? Yeah. So, uh, for the first many years, we worked almost strictly with, uh, homeowner insurers, uh, for just the reasons you explained. And, uh, just more recently, we've started to embrace the commercial side as our members have really expressed an interest in our doing uh, some, uh, commercial loss control for businesses as well, which kind of shows that we're very, uh, in tune with our membership. And, uh, and when they, uh, when they express a desire for us to go off in a certain direction, we're happy to, to look into that for them. No, that's really interesting. Now, if, if I'm not mistaken, um, after the, uh, uh, the wildfire and flooding events that we had in Fort McMurray, um, there was a little bit of a focus on that uh, region. Um, I know that the uh, Zerk, our Resilient Solutions Group, um, was up there working with a bunch of other individuals um, for what we refer to as a perk study. When that event happened, or when those events happened, because they were sort of uh, one after the other, um, was the ICLR um, present? Were you guys uh, uh, taking any information from the loss that occurred and then being able to apply it back to learning uh, or lessons learned um, for publications or bringing more information to the general population? Yeah, well, we sure were involved. And let me tell you, it's an interesting story. So, you know, when uh, the city of Fort McMurray was evacuated as a result of the wildfire uh, and the uh, media were allowed in, but citizens weren't allowed back in. One of the things I noticed was I saw 
uh, neighborhoods completely decimated by wildfire, except for little pods of, of surviving homes, two over here, three over there, two, you know, one over there, four over there. And we asked the question, why? Why is this the case? Why did these homes survive uh, in these almost completely devastated neighborhoods? And, you know, what was the reason for that? Was it just luck? And uh, we worked hard. And in a very short time, we got a, a researcher into town. He was allowed into town, fully sanctioned by uh, the provincial government. And we did a pioneering uh, study uh, in just really the days following the loss. You know, why did some homes survive this disaster when many others were, were completely destroyed? And uh, it's re it was really an important study to further our understanding of how wildfires propagate through built up areas and, uh, a hint is that uh, it's it's really the embers. Um, if and it's the embers that blow ahead of a, a firestorm, so the study was very pioneering. It had never been done in Canada before, and it really confirmed some of the international research that uh, embers are the main cause for for fire spread during a wildfire. Yeah, see, that's 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 really interesting because you wouldn't. I mean, as someone who witnessed on the news the wildfire. I never really got a chance to see those little pods that that survived. Um, I, don't, I don't. I don't think it was something that was broadly shown on on videos during newscasts. So it's really interesting that uh, um, you know that's it, it confirmed what more international studies had sort of brought together from from the events that happened in in Fort McMurray. How did how did you guys take that information and, and disseminate it to not just the local population but uh, the broader population where we might have other wildfires and flooding events in in say British Columbia, Ontario, Quebec? Yeah, so that uh, report, as I mentioned, was was pioneering. It had never been done in, in Canada before, so it got a lot of attention both by you know the Alberta government. Uh, the local government, Fort McMurray, and uh, the federal government here in Canada, and many other groups as well. Um, it really illustrated, you know, what the nature of the wildfire problem is, and kind of ensured that, uh, you know, going forward, we're not chasing our tail and looking at the wrong causes of these events and, and, and the wrong solutions. So it helped to really promote a, a big discussion about uh, survivability of homes uh, during wildfires and uh, what can be done to uh, prevent ignition uh, from members and uh, helped uh, a discussion with uh, with various building code authorities. And uh, one of the things that helped lead to, I, I won't say it completely led to, but uh, the National Research Council of Canada recently put out a wildland urban interface guide for constructing homes and communities in, in the wildland urban interface. And so the next step for that guide is to, to push to have it made a, a building code but I think our study in Fort McMurray really informed that uh, document quite a bit uh, and actually really helped get the, the entire issue on the radar. So that might help in sort of a build back better type of theme of, you know, when we're rebuilding these communities that might have been uh, damaged or decimated through wildfire, we can build them back in, in a much more efficient way and, and safer way and, and protective way. Is that sort of the general gist? That's a part of the gist. Um, we would like to see it in a building code. Uh, I think that's uh, our, you know, ultimately what what we would prefer. Uh, we would like to see Canada have the very first uh, wildland urban interface um, building code in the world. Um, you know, there are such codes in places like California, but no national uh, entities, no countries have uh, a national wildland urban interface code. Mm. We would love to see that. Um, but building back better is also. Uh, really key as well, where these things aren't in the code. So to go a little bit better than code, 
put those things uh, in the place that ensure that a home can survive an ember storm like the ones that we saw in uh, in Fort McMurray and elsewhere. Well, I guess that's also an opportunity for uh, the insurance members of of the ICLR to uh, you know institute some of those findings and and going above and beyond the codes that might already be there. But yeah, I think it's a great idea to try to, try to get that into the building codes. Yeah, I think that's the, the ultimate uh, prize, the ultimate goal. Um, but where we can't do that, uh, it's also helpful to be able to speak to our insurance company members and say, listen, you know, when you're putting such a structure back after a total loss claim, uh, let's put it back a little bit better so that this doesn't happen again. And it's very, you know, it, it's in some ways quite straightforward. You, you know, you put an asphalt roof, uh, shingle roof on that's class a roof and, and won't ignite uh, easily um, replace vinyl siding with hardy board siding and a few other things like that uh, it's not that difficult it really doesn't add that much to the price of a home especially a complete rebuild uh, and we can you know prevent this sort of thing from happening again and you know it's really really important when we talk about things like lytton british columbia which was lost uh, in a wildfire last mm-hmm. uh, june 30th um, that town burned in an incredible 20 minutes We've never seen anything like it before in Canada. Uh, some people got out without their cell phones, without the shoes on their feet, literally, because that town burned so quickly. And the real disconcerting thing about Lytton is this was a grass fire. It wasn't a fire in the boreal forest. Um, if you have a big fire in the boreal forest, it takes many years for that to regenerate. So the risk is kind of tampered for, for a while, not with grass fires. Grass comes back very quickly. And so Lytton will be at risk again this spring. And uh, so it's really, really key that we put Lytton back better and make sure that uh, this sort of thing doesn't happen again, because the risk in Lytton is there every single spring. That's actually really interesting, uh, understanding the difference between something that might be, a, um, you know, what, what in lane terms we might say is a forest fire versus a bush fire or a grass fire and the difference in how that can be a more consistent um, how do I want to say it's a, a threat year after year after year versus something where you've sort of taken down a lot of the forest and it's going to be a couple of years before it becomes a threat again. Yeah, that's right. So one of, one of the things that's just happened in, in Canada, not too long ago in British Columbia were uh, the floodings um, that happened in, in the Vancouver area and through the, the, uh, the Valley. Um, and I know the ICLR is involved with uh, uh, all uh, natural hazards um, from the flooding event. Uh, what's what's the ICLR's position? Like, where are you guys going to be uh, uh, bringing learning from there? Um, do you have boots on the ground or individuals who are already studying? You know, how did these floods get this way? Because for, for myself, I hadn't seen floods like that at least in the last ten plus years um, in in the Vancouver region. Yeah, uh, extensive event. Um, I have to say we we haven't done a whole lot of work in overland flood because uh, typically, as I mentioned, we were created by the Canadian insurance industry. Uh, we uh, historically dealt with uh, matters that impacted insured loss. And flood wasn't that widely insured until about five years ago. And even even now, it's not that widely insured. So we haven't done you know a great deal of work in the overland flood area. Um, one of the important things, though, is that uh, about a year and a half or two years ago, uh, ICLR took over the PIVC program. This is a, a program that was created by Engineers Canada. It's a basically a program that allows engineers and others to do climate change assessments of infrastructure that's uh, planned or uh, infrastructure that's going to be refurbished. And so um, I think it's really key that when um, British Columbia is re, 
built, that uh, they look at things like the privacy protocol and ensure that every road, every bridge, every culvert, everything that is being put back goes through an assessment like uh, the privacy protocol first. And then secondly, whatever the findings are of that protocol that they be implemented in the, in the build back. And to, just to give you an idea, um, great sections of the, of the Coquihalla Highway went through a privacy protocol uh, many years ago, something like 10 years ago. And there were different things that were pointed out in, in there. Um, not entirely clear to me, though, that, uh, that the findings were actually implemented and the Coquihalla made more resilient. And so, you know, we had uh, severe problems with that highway during uh, mm -hmm. this uh, flooding event, huge impacts on supply chain, huge impacts on local uh, economies and that sort of thing. And so that's kind of where we come in um, is, you know, through the use of things like the, the privacy protocol, we have to advocate that these be used for all new critical uh, infrastructure being put in across the country. And it's not just enough to, to do the actual protocol, but you must act on it as well and, and look for ways to, to tamper the risk that has been, you know, isolated by doing the, the protocol. So. Well, no, no, that's really interesting. And you, you touched on one of my, uh, my favorite topics, supply chain, which is again, going to be one of our uh, uh, future podcasts. Um, but it was, it was a fairly significant event that interrupted the, um, uh, supply chain, you know, sort of shutting down some of the only transportation routes uh, with inside the region. Um, and I, I guess, I guess this is where also insurance carriers, where we've probably been working on overland flood, uh, puvial and riverine uh, flooding, and, you know, maybe bringing our lessons to the ICLR to uh, sort of coordinate together and, and, and see how we can, as a group, get better at understanding and providing these protections in place. Um, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's not just about us and sharing our knowledge with, with our insurance company members It works the other way as well. And, and that's kind of the beauty of our insurance advisory committee, where we get our members together in a room or well, lately virtually uh, because of COVID, but uh, you know, get together on a quarterly basis and talk about these issues and share ideas and share information. So it's, it's definitely a two way street. Oh, absolutely. And it, it, I mean, it only benefits everybody, not, not only the ICLR, not only the insurance carriers, but also our customers who get to, uh, you know, have a broader lesson brought to them than just one company or one organization. Now, one of the things that uh, I've had the pleasure of doing over the last couple of years is to visit the uh, University of Western Ontario, where they've got the Windy Dome. And I find it a fascinating facility. Can you describe how uh, the ICLR is affiliated with the university and, um, uh, you know, just some of the, the tools and resources that they have that, that not only ICLR, but your insurance partners and their customers might be able to tap into. Yeah. So early on, um, as I mentioned, we're going to be 25 years old this year. Early on, we uh, actually decided that it was would be a good idea if ICLR was officially affiliated with the university. And we put out a call for, for tenders, call for bids. And, uh, and we, uh, a few universities responded. We looked at Western's bid and we decided that it provided the, probably one of the best partnerships, the best potentials. And so we've been affiliated with Western since almost the beginning. And uh, we're very tight with the wind engineering group uh, at Western who does uh, some pioneering work in, in, in wind, but also uh, on the, the seismic side and uh, multi-hazard side and the flood side. So we're affiliated with several groups at, at Western. 
On the wind side, though, um, you know, we work with people that have ac access to some of the best uh, wind labs in the world. And the first and foremost uh, lab facility there would be the, um, the boundary layer wind tunnel, which has been on the university campus since 1965. It was started by uh, Dr. Alan Davenport, who was an absolute pioneer in the field of wind engineering and, and, and construction. But we also have a couple of other labs there as well. And, and one of them we like to colloquially refer, refer to as uh, Three Little Pigs facility, which is on the grounds of the airport in London, Ontario. And in that facility, we can actually build a full-scale home and apply, uh, quote-unquote, wind forces to that home and uh, you know, determine how we build homes, how we can build them better, where damage happens, where we can prevent it, and that sort of thing. And then we have the Windy Dome, which you've mentioned, which is an absolutely massive uh, five-sided uh, wind dome, uh, also on the grounds of the airport in, in London. And in that facility, we can actually... Uh, run a uh, mini tornado over a model of a structure, of a subdivision, of a town even. And we've actually done that with places like Barrie, Ontario, and, and done Robin, Ontario. Uh, and there's also a straight line uh, wind tunnel functionality in that um, wind tunnel as well. We could also uh, test things like uh, wind turbines and, and a whole bunch of other things as well. So this is really uh, groundbreaking work. Um, one of the things that we're doing right now, though, is we're working on a display center that will be housed at the Windy Dome facility. This display center, I, the best way to compare it would be to the Ontario Science Center, basically. So we're gonna have hands-on displays where our members and others can go uh, to the Windy Dome, take a tour and go through these displays and actually find out you know, how things work, um, how, how you know, hail damages roofs and siding, um, how to prevent basements from flooding, all sorts of things like that. So it's going to be a really interesting, really neat, a hands-on display center that's very much like the Ontario Science Center. That is actually really interesting. Um, and, you know, as, a, as a, I guess a lot of people don't understand that, that within site insurance on the engineering side, we're very data-driven. We like to have models. We like to be able to sort of build up projections and understand impacts from risks and losses. Um, and, I mean, it sounds like these, these various um, testing facilities and the work that's being done by the SCLR with the University of Western Ontario, that really helps drive the data that can be broadly used across not only just the insurance industry on the engineering side, but also, like you mentioned earlier, on building codes and, and you know, making sure that we're building more resilient communities within side this ever-changing world uh, um, and climate change as it starts to hit us. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned building code, and it's absolutely key that you've done your, your homework. If you're going to attempt to, to change the code, as uh, we've been uh, working toward, uh, when you submit a, a code change, you got to submit the evidence. You, you can't just submit a code change and cross your fingers. You have to have some sort of proof that the change that you're seeking makes sense and uh, and would be you know, workable. And so a lot of this uh, this data comes out of this lab work. And then you compare, you know, you combine that lab work with field work. And interestingly enough, a lot of things that we discovered in the lab, we then see actually happen out uh, in the real world, let's say after a tornado uh, and vice versa. Some things that we see uh, during tornadoes, we can bring back to the lab and try to replicate. Um, but it's, you know, that, that lab work is really important on many fronts. I think the last time I was at the Windy, I mean, this was going back to, I guess, uh, probably 2019 or 2018 when, when we were there for uh, an event, uh, Zurich was there with one of our customers 
with inside the dome itself, they had um, uh, they're in the process of uh, doing two tests. One was a test for uh, solar panels on roof and and the way that they would um, be impacted by a a, uh, um, a wind event. Um, and it was interesting to 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 talk about how the wind coming over the first few layers of panels create a lift on the few panels behind, and and that's why they've got to be secured in a certain way onto a, say a building roof. And the other was um, I believe they were working with. Um, uh, wind turbine, um, but I believe it was in, in for for a group in Holland, um, where they had a bunch of these uh, wind turbines, windmills placed right at the um, on the land, facing out into the uh, to the sea or the ocean, and and the way that the wind would come across and be impacted by, uh, I guess it would, you would call it the cliff, and and how that would that cliff was basically taking the wind and actually driving it over. The wind turbine, so it wasn't getting as much uh, of an effect. So it was really interesting to to see just these two types of tests that they were running to gather data to help support that particular those particular customers in in uh, you know uh, correct installation or maximum effect. Yeah, I mean this stuff is is key because you know it's not a cheap thing to put up a, a field of of wind turbines, for example. And if you do it wrong, you know the solution, the fix is not an easy one. And so to do this kind of work beforehand. Uh, find these problems, uh, find a solution for them is, is, is so important. And so we find this on, on, on many things, whether you're construct, constructing a bridge, a high rise, a subdivision of homes, whatever it happens to be, this, this work is critical to kind of uh, testing things out, t- testing your theories and making sure that, um, you know, the, the solution that you're putting in the place is the best possible one. Yeah. Um, now, just sort of uh, helping kind of wrap this all together for us. Obviously, the big conversations that we're having nowadays are on climate change and sustainability. Can you sort of uh, uh, indicate the um, ICLR's position on on climate change and sort of the focus in the next three to five years and and how you're going to be working with uh, insurance partners to help uh, build that resilience back? Right. So uh, ICLR was created as a disaster risk reduction uh, institute. Um, but uh, in recent years, we've also embraced the, the field of the area of climate change adaptation, which is very similar to disaster risk reduction with some minor differences. But it's been described by many as being the flip side of, of the same coin. You're basically, from our perspective, we're trying to reduce the impact of severe weather uh, on, on Canadian society. And so our, you know, our position is clearly that uh, climate change is real. It's with us now. Um, it's exacerbating uh, severe weather events. Uh, so yes, we would have had severe weather events regardless, but uh, it's climate change is making them worse. Uh, my position personally is that we ain't seen nothing yet. Um, what we're kind of seeing right now is yeah. uh, climate change on, on, on training wheels. And so we really have to prepare society, harden society, make it more resilient because what we're going to see in the future is, is going to be quite incredible. And you know what we're seeing right now is not... Uh, the new normal, it's the new reality. And, uh, um, you know, this, what we saw in British Columbia this past summer through with the heat domes, the wildfires, and later on the um, atmospheric river and the mudslide, just a little taste of what the future is going to bring. And so our work is absolutely critical in, uh, you know, working towards making society more resilient and more hardened uh, and to do it in, in efficient and effective ways. And so everybody will, will benefit from that, including insurers. 
It's, it's interesting stuff. And it's, it's definitely, uh, I, I know that it's becoming more and more important uh, on everybody's mind, um, climate change and, and its impact, especially, I think, in, in Canada, where we're used to four seasons and not always seeing events like this and how they become more um, uh, frequent and, and in certain cases more severe. Um, so, um, listen, Glenn, thank you very much for your time. This was very informative and very interesting. Um, for our listeners, if you'd like to learn more about the ICLR, you can visit them on their website, ICLR.org, or you can follow them on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and YouTube. Again, Glenn, thank you very much for your time and truly appreciate it. Thanks, Chris. I hope you enjoyed our conversation today. Please join us each and every episode for new and informative topics with experts in the industry providing insights to risk exposures and actions to mitigate losses. If you would like additional information, please feel free to reach us at ca.podcast at zurich.com. We'll be talking to you soon. was compiled from sources believed to be reliable for general information purposes and is intended for Zurich clients and business partners. The information contained herein may be useful to you or your enterprise when developing your own policies and procedures. The policies and procedures applicable to your enterprise should take into account the specific circumstances of your business and business environment, which is beyond the capacity of this podcast. Any and all information provided is not intended to constitute advice of any nature and is specifically not legal advice, and accordingly, you should consult with your own legal counsel. We do not guarantee the accuracy of this information presented or any results and further assume no liability in connection with this recording and the information provided therein. Moreover, Zurich reminds you that the information provided cannot be assumed to contain every acceptable safety and compliance procedure or that additional procedures might not be appropriate under the circumstances. The subject matter of this recording is not tied to any specific insurance product, nor will adopting these policies and procedures ensure coverage under any insurance policy. We encourage listeners to seek additional information from credible sources. Thank you.